second podcast i am your host john schofield of the naval academy alumni association and foundation provision advisors sing second sports of days old also the former pao at the naval academy joining me is chris cervello of the great class of 99 the producer uh running old man radio on the turntable um and everything in between so ladies and gentlemen it is thanksgiving week that special time in college when we all secretly or openly loathe that prof who insists on holding that six-period class on Wednesday, holding you up for your trip up or down 95 with the rest of the humans. Uh, Chris, talk us through your Thanksgiving plans. I mean, I know in very strange Cervello tradition um, that you guys put up your Christmas decorations like on Halloween, like the a very, very <laughs> early rise to the, to the Christmas season there. But what are the... Uh, what are the Thanksgiving plans down there? Because I know three things will be involved, bourbon, golf, and America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, you pretty much nailed it, John. BZ to uh, Lon Cervello, uh, wife extraordinaire who put up our Christmas trees this past Sunday. Um, very festive here. It may be 80 degrees outside, but it's, you know, 30 degrees in our heart. And, you know, nothing <laughs> says uh, holiday season like the twinkle of an LED light on a plastic tree. So uh, we, uh, we're excited for Thanksgiving week. We are lucky enough to have uh, the Saladas, Jason Salada, class of 94. He's in town for two days before uh, making the trek over to the villages to uh, see his in-laws. So uh, we've enjoyed uh, a little bit of, a little bit of early Thanksgiving cheer with him. Um, but yeah, you nailed it. Uh, Cowboys, Turkey, bourbon, um, golf on Wednesday and then on uh on Saturday. So uh, I'm uh, or excuse me, on Friday and Saturday. So yeah, pretty excited about Ooh. this week. It is all coming together, and we know that a lot of you are going to be like Jason Salata on that pilgrimage to the in-laws or <laughs> to some forced family gathering. So hopefully this podcast will help, in the words of Jack Schofield, sab your wounds. Um, as we record this, it's November 21st, and not only do the Cervellos have their tree up, um, but on the yard today uh, will be the annual... Uh, opening of the giving tree in the rotunda. Each year, midshipmen from six company decorate the tree with paper angel ornaments, which contain the age, gender, and gift wish list of a child in need from the greater Annapolis area. The midshipmen, as well as the faculty and staff, are encouraged to take an angel from the tree and purchase a holiday gift uh, for the child the ornament represents. Uh, many of the wish lists include your standard stuff like electronics and musical instruments and bikes. But so many of these kids in the local area, Chris, you know, need yeah. food, need blankets, need like the very, very basics. And what MAG and the entire Brigade of Midshipmen and the Naval Academy community at large, what, what the Giving Tree represents for me is something on top of like the military training, you're doing the SEAL screener one day, you've, you've got an electrical engineering 12 week exam, you know, you've got an ethics review, there's a, um, you know, there's a forest all lecture, you know, we're doing everything to, to shape these midshipmen, you know, mentally and militarily and physically 
But what we often ignore is that MAG every year uh, puts out about 24,000 hours of community service, not only in Annapolis, but through Habitat trips around the country. And so as the giving tree goes up today, I just think it's a great you know, symbolic way of showing, you know, the, the, the greater altruism that exists in the brigade. I agree, John. And it's something that um, if you start early and many of the midshipmen have, have done service long before they got to the Naval Academy, but if you start to incorporate community service into your military service, it's something that'll take you through your uh, fleet time. And so um, I enjoyed uh, participating in MAG events when uh, when I was at the academy, and it it really taught me to not only look inward when you were on a base or, in this case, at, at an academy, but to look outward and to remember that you're part of the community and not everybody in the community is as lucky as you are. Yeah, and shout out to your classmate and our fellow PAO, MAG leader extraordinaire, Sarah Self-Kyler, uh, out there getting it done in the fleet. But, you know, like you, a, a former participant in MAG and a leader of MAG, uh, and somebody represents the greater giving that exists in the Brigade of Midshipmen. What else is going on on the yard? The big news this week, yesterday, in fact, was the reveal of the Army-Navy uniform. Chris Cervello was in full geek mode. Um, <laughs> Navy Athletics and Under Armour unveiled the 2023 uniform in honor of the silent service, the U.S. Submarine Force. The entire uniform is flooded with Eclipse Navy. Uh, Under Armour's darkest shade of navy blue. Color me educated today that Eclipse Navy is the darkest shade of navy blue. I will work that into my tight 10 or tight 20 uh, comedy routine in the future, but it mimics <laughs> the covert design of the submarine hull. The uniform was purposely uh, designed to embody the force's nickname, which is the Silent Service. Um, I'll tell you what, Chris, I love this time of year. We loved it when we did the Sing Second Sports podcast. And you said it yesterday. This is probably one of the better uniform drops for Navy in a while. I agree. Um, I, you know, I have been criticized for not jumping on the uniform bandwagon. I mean, I love that the Academy does this. I love that Under Armour and, you, you know, folks um, really dig in and try to find an angle. Um, I would say the last three or four uh, maybe with the exception of naval aviation, didn't really land with me, but I really like this one. I mean, I'm not particularly a submarine fan. I mean, it's not my favorite service, but I mean, the colors and all of this. And also, I mean, at a time, not to geek out, John, but a time where the submarine community is really making a major recruiting push, not just on the uniform side, but to get people to work on submarines at home and abroad down in Australia. I mean, this couldn't be better timed for the Navy, for the submarine community, for Under Armour. Um, we ordered, uh, I ordered a zip up uh, or excuse me, a pullover and then ordered the kids uh, some t-shirts um, so that uh, they can, uh, you know, don their Navy gear when we watch uh, the game on December 9th. So if you haven't jumped on Fanatics or the Naval Academy store or gone down to the mid store, do it. These things are going to sell out. Shameless plug for uh, Chris and myself being informed PAOs, but yeah, great breaking defense article yesterday about, you know, what the, you know, overall industry is doing to, um, motivate people to uh, get involved in this industry. In fact, you know, a lot of commercials now I was watching um, Monday Night Football last night and there was a commercial out there for builds, webuildsubmarines.com. Yeah. yeah, so so it's a thing, ladies and gentlemen. The uniform is definitely a thing. I was walking through the mid-store yesterday. It was flying off the shelves. 
running by me was Denzel Washington. He had the missile key around his neck. Gene Hackman was right behind Go, him. Go, Bama. It was, may- it was mayhem. I mean, roll tide, ladies and gentlemen. Um, on the subject of football, uh, the order of the day last week uh, is maybe lifted its record to an improbable five and five. Um, I heard the uh, sweet dulcet tones of Scott Wyckoff on the post-game show, and if you don't listen to WNAV fourteen thirty, do it. You get you'll get the best pre-game coverage from Bill Lusby, the the best in-game coverage from uh, Pete Medhurst and the crew, and of course Scott Wyckoff with all of the awesome uh, post-game show and interviews. But he said that you know all of Navy's goals as a football team are still right in front of them. You know the Commander in Chief's trophy won't be won outright. But you can still beat Army. You can still have a winning season. And if you beat SMU uh, this coming weekend, you can go to a bowl. And that bowl would be the Military Bowl right here at home in Annapolis on December 27th. Uh, But first things had to come first, and that was beating a very bad ECU team and what I like to call a good old-fashioned pillow fight uh, right here in Annapolis, Maryland, as you know, Navy defeated ECU 10-0. But, you know, all the joking aside, Chris Cervello, it's not common, and Scott Wyckoff said the same thing, and I'd be interested to hear what, what EK and Keenan and Bill Wagner said about this. It is not uncommon for any team uh, in that level of college football to have three shutouts in one season, and lo and behold, the Navy defense did it. Um, does this mean that they are primed to slow down what is potentially a really, really destructive SMU offense awaiting us here on Saturday? Yeah, it's the first time since 1978 that they've had three shutouts in one season. So uh, BZ to the defense, um, a a defense that I think people were um, a little down on after the performance against Notre Dame, after, you know, the head coach moving up from uh, being a really effective defensive coordinator. Um, Now, I I think that before we start, you know, buying military bowl tickets and before we start, you know, talking about beating SMU, um, we've got to really look at the offense. Um, And this is what Keenan and Eric and Bill Wagner will uh, dig into. We actually taped tonight, but uh, we've been on the text train kind of preparing for uh, the show. Um, real, uh, there's real concern with the way the offense played. I mean, that, that was not a good football game. Um, you know, a win is a win, but, uh, if you were in Annapolis and by judging by the pictures of the stands, not many of you were, um, at least <laughs> you were not in the stadium. I, maybe you were out in the parking lot, uh, a la John Schofield. Those, you know. those noon starts suck, man. It's yeah. not, it's not <laughs> a great thing for the fan base. No. And, uh, it, it showed, but, um, not, you know, the offense, I, I hope, you know, took some time this week to kind of get back to what they had the week before. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes against SMU. Um, I don't know that I'm real hopeful for this game. I mentioned last week uh, I, I would like to see him just show up and then really, you know, pin our hearts, uh, you know, to uh, the Army game. Um, so we'll see. But you'll be down there, John, um, and uh, you'll have to let us know how it is in Dallas. Uh, should be good barbecue, uh, maybe a barbecue turkey leg or, you know, some barbecue stuffing or whatever the the leftover Dallas Whoa. barbecue treat is. You, you know me, when I go on the road, I bring that entire summer all in Madden phenomenon to a Thanksgiving weekend game. That's right. The turkey leg from the cool. John Madden side and the 700 drinks 
uh, before the broadcast <laughs> on the past summer all side. <laughs> so um, all joking aside, beyond the, the, the pillow fight and the disappointing offense, and certainly we hope that the consistency in the quarterback game and the Xavier R line getting multiple starts in a row will, will lead to some sort of alchemy against SMU uh, on Saturday. This was the last home game of the year. We honored the seniors. It was a very, very nice thing. We also honored our corporate partners uh, at the game. So shout out to all of our corporate partners um, who assist the U.S. Naval Academy and the U.S. Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation. You know, you, you ask about how MAG is powered and funded in order to do some of the things that they do and how we you know, build Hopper Hall and how we continue to to breathe life into the brigade and to the entire Naval Academy. And that's through a lot of the help of corporate sponsors and mentoring mids through their capstone projects, but also being uh, sponsors for Navy football and beyond. Uh, so many thanks to our corporate partners and we were able to honor them at the ECU game. That was nice. Hey, before we go out, there were two other sports results that, that we are going to talk about Um we all love Coach Nicolau and Navy Water Polo on this pod. Um, and Navy Water Polo, you know, relied on a really good freshman class this year. Great senior captain uh, in goalkeeper Caden Capabianco. Uh, they got all the way to the finals of the Mid-Atlantic Water Polo Conference Tournament, but they fell one win short of making the NCAA Tournament. They dropped a tough one to Fordham, uh, a Fordham team that continues to bite Navy Water Polo in the postseason uh, we need to climb that mountain and get over them if we're going to you know, see this team in the NCAAs again. But the future is bright. They're loaded with talent, particularly from the Hill School, uh, one of our athletic and scholarship programs, foundation schools. Shout out to Aiden Day on the water polo team and manager extraordinaire Gavin Grady. And the, the magical late season ride for volleyball came to an end in Hamilton, New York, against number one seed Colgate. Uh, this volleyball team started white hot at the beginning of the year. They hit a huge slump in the middle of the season, something that we were even talking about on this pod, and we're not even a sports pod anymore. Uh, but then they finished with an electric win over Army for the star. They won the first-round Patriot League tournament game at Bucknell and Straits. Um, but Colgate, again, proved to be a bridge too far for this team. That team rode Avery Miller all year, ladies and gentlemen. Avery, the senior out of Phoenix, was spectacular against Army. Uh, and she finishes her career as Navy Volleyball's one of their best, uh, certainly a name that we'll remember uh, and should be in the lore of, of Navy Volleyball history. She certainly had an active cheering section versus Army and really throughout her career. Her parents spent more time in Annapolis than in Phoenix, seemingly over the past four seasons, I would bet. But uh, whether you're an athlete or not, the support of your parents is critical uh, in the success of, of that individual midshipman and the brigade writ large. Uh, we as an alumni association do a ton to build up uh, the support uh, in parents clubs nationwide, but it's great to get a first person perspective of what it's like being a parent over that four year journey. Uh, I spent a lot of time at your ID five with A.B. Miller's dad, uh, Matt Miller. And without any further ado, here is our interview with Matt Miller to talk about his experience as a Naval Academy parent over the last four years. We are joined by Matt Miller. And this is a special interview in that we have never done a parent interview really before. Uh, Matt Miller from Phoenix, Arizona is the father of Avery Miller on the volleyball team. Matt, so happy to have you on uh, on the podcast. If if you Thank can, you just kind of introduce the listeners to, uh, to you and... Well, thanks, John. Great to be on. Um, well, it's been a it's been a journey for sure. Um, 
uh, I'm from Arizona, wife, five kids, Avery's number four. And, uh, and she was recruited um, at a high school by other schools. But one thing that uh, she just thinks the world of her older brother who um, wanted to go to the Naval Academy, and he was a big influence on her and, and talked about uh, the military academy, the service element. And it just resonated with Avery when she visited uh, the academy. And she made a decision pretty quickly. This is where she wanted to be. Avery came on the pod last year, and and Chris and I could not have been more impressed with her. You know, just so incredibly centered and and representing everything that we love about the Naval Academy. What what evolution have you seen in her from when you dropped her off on I Day to where she is today? How have you noticed growth in her? Well, John, that's a great question. You know, when she came into uh, her plebe year, I mean, she was a young a girl coming out of high school and these last four years have really been transformational for her. I mean, she is, uh, you know, she's a woman of character. Um, she's learned so much from the people that have invested in her. And frankly, she would not be the person she is today if she had not gone through the Academy experience. So we're so proud of her, but it's also been a journey for our family. I mean, those that, have, that haven't had a, a child go through the Academy, there's a lot of ups and downs. And uh, it's, it's been a journey for my wife, for her siblings, but it's been just an awesome experience. And we're so, uh, again, so proud of her and also proud of the, the other midshipmen that she's become friends with. I know that you haven't done this alone, that there are support mechanisms out there, not only for midshipmen, but for parents. You know, as you've gone through this journey, what have you found to be helpful to you? Um, you know, through the rigors of plebe year, through, you know, mids coming home over the summer, what kind of special sauce have you, have you realized um, is key to be, to navigating this world as a USNA parent? Well, I would say, John, first of all, and it was told to me early on because I had no military experience, but, you know, trust the process. Um, the academy has been around for over 170 years. And, and um, so there, you know, there, there, it's a process. And I think what's helped us too is there's some great other there's other great parents and then just coming alongside others uh, whose children are going through that was really really helpful uh, for us and, and um, so that I guess that's it it's just making sure you're reaching out and you're also just trusting that they have the best for your child and uh, and be there as a sounding board because when they come home especially early in in uh, the academy experience you know, it's, 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 there's a rigorousness, a rigorous uh, aspect to it. And they have to get through that. But once they, they get on track, it, uh, you know, they, they end up uh, uh, doing just fine. So Matt, you kind of touched on it right there, but what, what advice would you give to parents that um, of high school students who are, you know, working with their son or daughter to apply to the Naval Academy or really to any uh, service academy? Um, you know, what, what have you learned in those four years? And, uh, you, you know, what would you impart to them? You obviously have benefited from the mentorship of other parents. What would you pass on? Well, I, I, again, I would say um, try to find other uh, people in your community that may have had uh, children go through the academies, not just the Naval Academy, but, uh, you know, Army or Air Force. Learn about it. Um, you know, it's not for every child, but uh, but there's there's um, a lot of kids that really are drawn to doing something um, bigger than themselves. Um, if there's a maturity level, obviously, with that. But I think just get exposing them. I didn't know much about the academies, and neither did my wife uh, early on. So we really had to, to talk to a lot of people whose children went through it. And the more that we learned and we exposed our, our, our in this case, Avery to it, 
um, it was a pretty uh, it was a pretty easy choice at that point. So I would say that, and I would just say again, um, trust the process because uh, the academy's done this for so long, and these kids go through it. They start as a plebe and they finish as a firstie. There is a really remarkable change, and it's just it's just so great to see. And and um, so that's what I would say. We talk to other parents and, and try to try to learn as much as you can about the academies, um, depending on, on where you are. There's the evolution that you talked about with Avery, but there's also the evolution for you as a parent, right? So you are, have been the parent of a midshipman for four years. Pretty soon, you're going to be the parent of an ensign and a naval officer. Um, and, you know, God willing, um, Avery will be a naval aviator. Have you started to think about that change for you all and what that means for for you guys? I mean, it's just, uh, I remember my, my parents, I mean, my brother and I graduated. Uh, my dad did serve in the Navy, but I mean, things changed for them. They sort of went from kind of rah-rah to um, it, you know, a little bit different uh, as parents and as parents of alumni. Have you guys started to think about what that'll be like? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, volleyball seasons uh, uh, will be over soon. And and then, as, as John said, she'll figure out where she's going to be serving. But one thing that we have is we've made so many friends through this whole experience. And uh, and you'll find as parents, and I'm sure other parents can say this, of, of, of midshipmen, is there's people coming into your life a lot uh, as you go forward. I, I've gotten to be pretty close with the cross-country team. That's a whole different story. But uh, but you're going to find that people are going to be giving you a call or showing up for a meal or needing a place to stay. And it, it's it's uh, it's more fun for us than, than it is for maybe the midshipmen because we just enjoy these impressive kids so much. But I think you kind of live it the rest of your life because of all the contacts that you made. One of my favorite things still is, I mean, you love meeting Naval Academy grads, but I love bumping into Naval Academy parents. Um, I mean, and it happens all over the place, right? I mean, you, you know, you'll see somebody with a either a parent bumper sticker or t-shirt or something. And, you, you know, you see the excitement, just like I see in your eyes, you see it in their eyes, you know, 20, 30 years later, when they talk about the Naval Academy and when they talk about their child's journey. So um, super happy for for the Miller family, uh, certainly for Avery, but also for you and your wife, Matt. Th thanks so much. Well, it's been great to visit with you guys. Well, Matt, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I truly appreciate you know the service that you've made as as a parent, um, and we wish Avery good luck. Um, the last word that I'll give you before uh, before we say goodbye, you know, what? Why do you give back? You mentioned that there was a story behind you know your connection with the cross country team. You know, that we'll, we'll save that for a later pod, but you know, at the essence of that is you giving back to midshipmen that you've come across along the way. You know, what what motivates you to give back? It's not purely just because of Avery, but I'm sure your your exposure to the Naval Academy over the last four years has contributed. You know, John, I, I really had no idea. I mean, the sacrifice that uh, these young people make and the commitment, it really is inspiring. And it's just, it, you know, it's, it's if I can give back a little bit to help these young people um, as they go on to their military career, it's a, it's a blessing to my wife and I, and, and uh, that's why we do it. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been so pleased to be joined by Matt Miller today. If you can, get involved in your chapters, get involved in your parents' clubs. Um, you know, come, come to us at the Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation for any more information on parents' clubs and chapters. But Matt Miller, thank you so much. Take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Matt Miller. We're gonna go to break. This is the Sing Second Podcast. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We're really excited about this Thanksgiving week interview, bringing back our favorite podcast, Ashley Pelzik. Um, Ash, you know, from the great class of 06, uh, captain of the team, naval aviator, um, and now, you know, the last time we talked to you during the Sing Second Sports Days, you had just gotten married, and then fast forward through the summer, we are talking to you as you have now become a brand new mother. We can't wait to talk to you about this. Uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for taking time. You were sending me emails at two in the morning. I wonder why that is with a newborn. And uh, you know, how's everything been going? Yeah, it's uh, it's a whole brand new life out here, but it's awesome. Um, definitely the best thing ever, as everyone always tells you. And yes, I was <laughs> emailing you back at around, I don't know, two or 3 a.m., but we're, uh, the nights are actually starting to get shorter and we're starting to get better sleep already. He's about seven, well, almost eight weeks old. So uh, thanks for the audible this morning too on the time. <laughs> the mornings are a little chaotic over here these days. So I, it's the thing where I'm like, oh, I hate being late. And I'm like, I'm just going to have to get used to that from here on out. <laughs> You're going to have to get used to being late and having throw up on you at all times. Um, that's it's pretty really, much what was happening. It, yeah. yeah, that's the joy of life. <laughs> So, you know, I, I don't mean to be too romantic about this, but, you know, talk to me about how your experiences leading up to motherhood prepared you for motherhood. You know, you, you were in a squadron, you, you deployed on an aircraft carrier, high achieving athlete, um, you know, Naval Academy graduate. But, you know, being a parent sort of levels everyone off, whether you went to Harvard or community college. But in a way, you've learned a lot of the traits of adapting to toughness um, the toughness of motherhood by your, um, by your past, you know, how has becoming a mother, you know, been knowing that you've kind of walked the walk in many other difficult, um, you know, difficult situations? Yeah, it's funny. I think, um, when you talk about how, first of all, nothing really truly prepares you for it. I'll start with that. But I think aviation, all of the sort of Semper Gumby, be flexible, sort of roll with the punches, all of that is very good advice for a new mom, because, you know, if you're somebody who needs to control everything, if your whole day needs to be structured and that's really the only way you can get through it, then it's just, it's going to be a lot harder. Um, and for us, I know first and foremost, I think before that, I have to be very grateful. I have 16 weeks off of paid maternity leave. My husband had eight weeks off. This is actually his last week of paid paternity leave. Um, and I think back to being in a squatter and seeing some of my friends have maybe a, a day, a week. Um, you know, maybe they could have had more, but they chose not to because they felt like the mission was so important or we were getting ready to go on a big detachment or deployment or we were on deployment when people had kids. Um, so I'm really grateful that I had a child after the military because I just, <clears throat> for me, it's been such a really great experience and such a blessing. And I'm glad I've been able to experience that in its, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, entirety. So Ashley, I, I kind of equated um, becoming a parent to, uh, you know, graduating from the Naval Academy and going to the fleet, right? So like as a first seat, you're very confident. You're very, you feel very smart. You feel like you have all of your act together. And then this, you know, child comes into your life and it's like being an ensign again, right? I mean, you just <laughs> want to get through the day. Uh, you've never felt so dumb. You, you, you're learning at, at an amazing pace. It's like drinking out of a fire hose. And so that's why, I mean, I was really excited to, yep. to be able to have you back on because I, I, I think that there is uh, a similarity between the the growth of being a naval officer and the growth of being a parent and wait till your, you know, your child is 16 and you go back <laughs> to being dumb again. Uh, you, you know, so like I, I am the dumbest human in my uh, my child's life. 
Um, so it's kind of like being an 05 again, you know, talking to lieutenants. So, I mean, you know, in my mind, it's very similar. It's that's so true. What I'll say, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is deciding to go a little bit, but what I'll say is I feel like the prior enlisted coming back to the academy, because if you do the math, it's no secret. I was a 2006 grad. So I'm a, I would say a uh, more seasoned mother, new mother uh, for a first timer. And I think there's something that's great about that. You know, every, obviously everyone should have kids whenever they want to, but being in my late thirties, um, I've got a little bit more, I think, appreciation for what all my friends have gone through. I, I was a little probably less scared coming home from the hospital than I think a lot of people are. Um, so I'll say I'm like that, you know, prior enlisted, coming to the academy, all those fresh new mids are all terrified. However, like you said, Chris, the second you enter the fleet, uh, you're back at the bottom again, right? So you might figure out a couple of things. That first night home is such a most difficult night of my life. You know, you think about steer school, you think about um, the first night of deployment, the first night of plebe summer, which actually is probably the second worst night of my life um, besides this and in different ways, right? But you just think, oh, am I ever going to be able to get through this? I think that's like the thought that a lot of midshipmen and people in the military have in common, that they've had ex an experience in their life where they've questioned, am I going to be able to get through this? Um, and you will, you know, as long as you continue to take small steps and, and learn from each experience. So that first night was rough. But then the night, you know, the the couple of nights turn into, okay, we got this down. Now it's not just getting through the night, it's getting through the morning, and then the day. And now it's, I'm at the point now where we can take him out, I can run errands, you know, we're feeling pretty experienced, which means there's another curveball coming our way any day now, which is probably sleep regression or whatever they call it. <laughs> Right when you think you've got it all together, they come down with croup or something like that, Ashley. And so I won't, I won't ever uh, wish that upon we you. We had RSV at week five, so we were we've already uh, had paid a ER and hospital visit, and he's he's very very healthy, and he was doing well even through that. But we just noticed some congestion, and it's RSV season. So for those who are uh, new parents, go out and get vaccinated because. <laughs> Uh, you know, for what it's worth for your kid to be in the ER at five weeks old, is not a fun experience, but it's part of being a parent. So we've, you know, again, we've been through part of that now too. Well, so introduce us to the little guy. What's his name and how many Naval Academy onesies or outfits does he have? <laughs> so his name's Charles Ferguson Jr. Uh, we call him Charlie or little Charlie because it's my husband's name too. Um, it's funny. I probably married the non-Naval Academy graduate who is the most obsessed with the Naval Academy and Navy sports that I could have possibly married. It's awesome. He, His cousin actually graduated last year, so we were there for graduation this past year. Um, we watch. We have the rugby network now. We watch all the Navy rugby games, um, which I had <clears throat> I had a lot of friends on Navy rugby, so that's not too foreign to me. Um, that's awesome. And yeah, we've got my roommate from Navy, Jen Womble, formerly Jen Winstein, one of the most prolific swimmers in the history of the Naval Academy. Um, she got us our very first set of uh, PE gear. So he's got his blue rim. He's got his Usna shorts um, that don't quite fit yet. They're, I think, 12 months. So, but he's growing quick. He was seven pounds. He was a couple weeks early. So he was seven pounds, 20.25 inches, and he's already massive and off the charts. So um, he's he's making his gains quickly. <laughs> Have you already worked on like the drop step baby hook in the lane with him? You know, like what are, do you, do you fashion him a perimeter shooter? Cause I know that you were a prolific three point shooter from, from your days, from your days of your, or you, you think he's like kind of a low post guy. Yeah. It's hard to tell. So it's funny. My family, my younger brother is like six foot six, probably a buck 90, you know, he's, he was a lean, very, very tall point guard um, who played at Hartwick in uh, up in New York. And then, Charlie's family is very he was a offense he was a linebacker 
So he is a, he loves to hit people. He played rugby and he played football. Uh, and I always said I would never have a kid that plays football, but I think that decision has been made for me. So um, yeah, it's funny. I, I don't know. He's got sort of the beginning uh, sort of specs or dimensions of my younger brother. He's very, very long, um, but I have a feeling he's going to be some sort of, I, I, I feel like a tight end in our future um, is, is sort of the build that he seems to be growing into for basketball. I don't know. Maybe that uh, that strong two three perimeter player that can also play oh. inside. Maybe a power forward kind of thing. So if he gets the height, <laughs> opposite of me, I like it. <laughs> uh, but before we let you go back to getting vomited upon, Ashley, what advice? Two two part question, and then I'll let Chris kind of ask the last question. What advice would you give classmates, other Naval Academy grads, you know, who are embarking upon new motherhood? Yeah, like. Some of them might be doing it in their 20s or, um, you know, or, or earlier 30s where, like you said, you, you've waited until you were a bit more down the line and more ready for it. What advice would you give to them? And then second part, you know, what I, I don't know, I'm an open ended question. What help do you think an alumni association could give um, new mothers, new parents, you know, people embarking upon? Um, you know, a new dynamic in their life, which is, you know, a family. Um, you know, we prepare people to go out and fly a plane. We prepare people to go down to, you know, New Power School in Charleston. But I don't know if it's in the, the preparation set to, to get you ready to take care of another human being. What advice would you give and then what help would you need? Yeah, those are two great questions. So for the first one, sort of what advice I've got, just make sure you have a good discussion with your support system. So whether that's your spouse, whether that's a parent that's coming to help because maybe you have a spouse on deployment, uh, maybe you're single parenting for a while. Just it's it's I think people focus a lot up front on this is what I need for my nursery. I need these clothes. I need these things um, to prepare when in reality, the part that becomes really difficult, whether it's two in the morning, whether it's the day you're getting discharged from the hospital is more who's going to handle what at home. So how are we going to break down, um, you know, the division of labor? Who's going to help, you know, are we going to both feed? Are we going to, you know, do bottle? Are we going to help out some, you know, it's just in knowing those little nuances, those are where you get stuck in little um, difficult areas when it's three in the morning and the kids, you know, screaming and, you know, you're just trying to soothe them um, and you're trying to talk to one another, but neither of you has slept well. If you've, if, if you've figured a few of those things out ahead of time, I think it makes things a little bit smoother. And those that's just the advice that I was given very late in pregnancy. And I think it's helped us a lot. And then for moms out there, I think um, just the, the other advice I was given, because as a military person, aviator, I am, I am a bit of a, that control freak I described earlier, um, is, you know, let your husband or your spouse or partner help the way that they can and the way that they, they know how. Um, so it's not about who's doing what the best it's about who, you know, just having a support system, both parents, parenting, um, both getting that chance to bond with the child. And we've, we've been able to enjoy that because my husband's had time off and that's been incredible. I just, I'm so grateful for that because I know that's not usually the case. Um, but again, just talk about responsibilities beforehand. And then for the alumni association, you know, I think they do a pretty good job of this. What I would say is make events kid-friendly. And my class has been really thoughtful about this for our reunions as a small example, right? We have the event Friday night at um, the Towers uh, over at the uh, at the new building at the football field at the stadium and uh, Akerson. And, um, you know, we have a kids section. We've got uh, a sitter. You know, we make sure that there's kids welcome at the tailgate and that there's activities for them. So extend that to everything. They do a pretty good job of that. They do that at sports. You, you see that the football field, basketball teams, you know, the basketball games do a great job of that. 
just continue to look for those opportunities to make it easier for people to bring their kids to things because we're already coming back February 3rd, well, 2nd to 4th for the Navy alumni game. Um, it's going to be our first trip with a four-month-old. Um, the entire class of 06 that played is coming back. It's the first time I've seen some of my my teammates in like 15 years. So, um, But they're making it easy. The coach has gone out of his way to, to make sure, you know, to welcome us that have new kids, but to make sure that our that we know that our kids are welcome to come to the game and and be a part of this and see what we were all, you know, a part of because it's it's fun for the kids to see that too. Oh, and I can't wait to see you back here. I was at the game last night, an unfortunate overtime loss to Mount St. Mary's, but I know that Tim Taylor has it turned around, and I'm super happy that he's still so connected to the alums like you. Chris, I'll give you the last question to take us out. Hey, so last question, Ashley, Army-Navy, up your neck of the woods. What are your thoughts uh, on Army-Navy in Boston? Uh, that That's kind of a different uh, take for a lot of alums. Yeah, I was excited. However, it's like impossible to get tickets to it. So I'm trying to, my whole family wants to come for the first time ever, but we can't find tickets right now. So that's a bit of a bummer, but I understand it's a bit of a, you know, demand problem with a smaller stadium. Um, Aside from that, I think it's awesome. I think it's pretty cool that they threw their hat in the ring. Um, Gillette is a pretty interesting location to go to a football game. I've gone to a lot of them there just because whenever Green Bay comes into town, I always go. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's a neutral site for sure. I think it's, it's funny. It probably, it's closer to army, but we've got the Belichick advantage, I think. So, um, I don't know that's going to be a heck of a game this year, given army just upset air force. They looked pretty terrible against UMass and some of the other games. And then Navy's got this sort of recent uptick. Um, so I think they're, I think it's going to be a, a, your classic, uh, grind, you know, where it's maybe a bunch of field goals, who knows? Um, and maybe a couple of touchdowns, just a break for an open run. Um, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be exciting. And I think Gillette will take advantage of it and really make a, make a great, I know that I know all the local colleges and business schools are doing huge military veteran tailgates as well. So I think it's going to be a great time. Man, if you only knew someone at the alumni association and foundation who could possibly get access to tickets, I don't know how that, how that would go. Um, so, uh, another conversation between you and me, Ashley, and, uh, hopefully we can get you out to the, uh, to the army Navy game with Charlie, the future, uh, small forward slashing uh, scoring guard for Villanova University or an elite school like that in the future. We'll see. So, uh, Ashley, thank you so much for sharing your motherhood journey with us. And as always, we're signing you up for future pod appearances. So we can't wait to see you again. Happy to. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, from the great class of 06, Ashley Pelzik, or actually Ashley Ferguson, knee Pelzik. So happy to have her on the pod. Stick with us. This is the Sing Second Pod. All right, we are back. Awesome interview with Ashley and indeed great interview with Matt Miller. Let's take this baby out. Chris, I mentioned uh, with regard to Avery Miller that service assignment just took place on November 16th. 1,012 midshipmen in the class of 2024 received their service assignments. They selected from 24 different career choices in the Navy and Marine Corps um, and submitted their preferences in late August of their first class year. Roughly 83% of midshipmen in the class of 2024 received their first choice and 10%, you know, basically bringing it to 93% received either their first or second choice. Um, So a really, really good swath uh, of service assignments here, 205 SWOs, way to go there, 221 in Navy pilot, 158 submariners, 
So if you're wondering why all of the uh, Army Navy gear is off the shelves uh, in the mid-store, it's because of those 158 submariners, uh, 39 NFOs, and the number that I always like to talk about is 32 SEALs and 16 EOD. Uh, pretty cool, 745 Navy overall. 267 Marine Corps overall in this class, including 72 Marine Corps pilots. Chris, you do, you know, you're still very involved in the uh, overall Navy sphere, um, you know, with your Chris Cavus podcast. You know, this, these numbers are supposed to reflect the needs of the Navy. You know, how does it look to you? Is this kind of a, a historical norm? I know that NFO numbers were a little bit lower than normal, but um, yeah, this seems to be the you know the, the right swath every single year to continue to populate the Navy and Marine Corps populate with uh, talented officers. Yeah, I mean, I would say what jumps out at me is I, I'm actually surprised that um, surface warfare is as low as it is. Um, but I mean, I know there's other ways to get um, SWOs. Um, Navy pilot seemed a little high to me. You're right, uh, Navy NFOs, but I mean, our, you know, um, multi-seater aircraft are kind of down, certainly over, you know, my time uh, when, when I graduated in 99. So I guess that's not that surprising. 32 SEALs, that, that's a little higher than, uh, than I thought. Um, and then the Marine numbers sort of round out to what you would expect. Um, I don't remember seeing Marine Corps cyber uh, you know, right away. I, I thought that was something that they picked out of um, TBS, but uh, that that's interesting. So, I mean, those would be the things that that jump out to to me. Um, you know, huge congratulations to uh, to this crowd, um, and uh, you, you know, wish them the best of luck. Yeah, I definitely thought it interesting um, that usually it's just ground and aviation for Marine Corps. But, yeah. you know, here here we are. This is how the battle space is, is changing out there, ladies and gentlemen, that there were 10 dedicated Marine Corps cyber um, officers selected from the class of 2024. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. And maybe we can get the head Marine on the yard uh, on the pod here in the future to kind of talk about that. Um, you know, but, you know, if you're talking about the needs of the Navy and the needs of the Marine Corps, uh, the, the cyber battle space is certainly in need and, and who better to provide than the Naval Academy. Something about the people, the 7%. So you got about 70 people, right, uh, from a class of 1,000 that didn't get their first or second choice. Now, a lot of people out there will just naturally be like, well, those are the slows. You know, those are the kids who are like bottom, you know, low, low, low order of merit, and they're the ones getting their third choice. I'll tell you that back when I was a lieutenant and as the PAO, that that's traditionally not the case, that often the third choicers are pretty high order of merit people who have placed incredibly selective uh, choices, one and two on their sheet, like SEAL number one, but they didn't do the screener. Then they do aviation. Um, or they put SEAL number one, and then they do Marine Corps number two, but they never in their summer training selected Leatherneck. Um, so you get a lot of these cases of really high order of merit kids putting down two really selective uh, communities, one and two. When they don't get those, they end up being either NFOs. A lot of them are like, hey, if I'm not flying in the front seat, I don't want to fly at all. And then the needs in the Navy come up and say, no, no, no. You, you know, you've got that aviation background. You, we like you in the aviation community. You're, you're just not up there enough to be a pilot. We need you as an NFO. So don't go out there thinking, ladies and gentlemen, 
here I am, the, uh, you know, the, the SWO with image issues. Don't go out there thinking that the third choices were all SWOs. Chris mentioned the SMU game. Who doesn't want to fly to Dallas on Saturday morning? Um, I'll tell you who doesn't. I don't, but I am in all seriousness very excited to go down there. A little 11 a.m. start. Ladies and gentlemen, if there's, if there's something worse than a noon start in Annapolis, it's an 11 a.m. local start in Dallas. Uh, but we're going to be down there. Great turnout. Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend. More than 100 grads uh, down there in the Dallas area putting something together between the parents' clubs and the chapter. Uh, so TJ Grady and I are going to get on that Southwest flight to Dallas, get in there Saturday morning in time enough to have a Bloody Mary uh, shake some hands, visit with the chapter and parents clubs, and then go in there and hope for that upset over SMU. Um, as you come out of Thanksgiving, ladies and gentlemen, please don't forget that Navy Athletics has their annual Giving Tuesday on November 28th. Uh, so loosen those wallets, support people like Louis Nicolau and the water polo team, uh, support Navy Athletics because the product on the field, just go to one of those volleyball games as Avery Miller is beating Army in an electric atmosphere and, and you'll know what the, what the purpose and what the benefit of your uh, support of Navy athletics is. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to take this out. I'll give you my Thanksgiving wishes before I throw it over to Chris Cervello. I'm going to wish a happy Thanksgiving to a deployed sailor, our boy Calvin Davies. Um, Chris should talk about it more than I uh, am since Chris is essentially his godfather and de facto sponsor. But Calvin Davies... Um, out there deployed in defense of our freedoms on Thanksgiving. I wish you, my, my young lad, a very happy Thanksgiving. Chris Cervello, over to you. Yeah, John, I'll, I guess I'll expand it out to all those that are uh, deployed. I, I never did a Thanksgiving um, underway. I did a lot of Christmases and New Year's, but never did a Thanksgiving. So, uh, But any holiday away from your family is a tough one. Thank you to all those that serve and have served that were away from their families. Um, because of you, you know, we're all going to get to enjoy um, a nice Thanksgiving with our family. So we'll be thinking about you. Uh, and I'll second your uh, your Giving Tuesday plug. It's a great time to uh, to show some uh, some charity and some love um, for the Navy Athletics, for the Navy Alumni Association, you, you know, and anything that has to do with the academy. Don't forget to give. Do not forget to give, ladies and gentlemen. Check back in with us next week. Uh, we have a great interview with Joe Rixey of Lockheed Martin and of Navy Rugby Support fame. And also, uh, as part of our feature on chapters, we're going to talk to the leadership from our Hampton Roads chapter down in Norfolk. Uh, you know, see you at Hot Tuna this weekend, uh, yes. ladies and gentlemen. The yes. Hampton Roads chapter. <laughs> yeah. So with that, as our positive swing thought taking us out, I am John Schofield for Chris Cervello. For all of our guests, for all of our supporters and our sponsors of ProMD Health in Annapolis, please have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to the pod. We'll see you next week. We are out.